Welcome back to Redefine You, a conversation for well-being where we have open and honest conversations with friends of mine in the industry to explore their ownership to self and mental well-being journey. As when one shares their vulnerability in such a way, we're encouraged to look within. I'm your host, Haley Hasselhoff. I'm an actor, model, fashion and well-being editor, and most importantly, a body positive and mental health advocate. Redefine You is meant to inspire you to look within and guide you to lead a life being grounded in you. Today's guest has risen above society's beauty standards and paved the way for so many with using her voice as a body activist and more. She is a model who advocates for diversity and inclusion in the fashion industry. She's been making huge movements in the fashion industry by showcasing inclusivity on the runway since her debut in 2014. She's been photographed for Italian Glamour, and Vogue magazine, and appeared in campaigns for H&M, Forever 21, Wet n' Wild, and Marina Rinaldi. She's also joined the ranks of industry's most prominent models and celebrities for Lane Bryant's unapologetic This Body campaign, as well as walked in Christian Siriano's show and stars in Dolce & Gabbana's latest campaign, lensed by the Morelli brothers. Welcome, my friend and confident, Alessandra Garcia. Hello. I'm so excited (laughs) to have you on the show. I'm very excited to see you. Oh, me too. (laughs) I know. I feel like I haven't seen you in so long, like physically, even through a Zoom. It's been been a moment. Well, it's been one of those years where we haven't seen anybody, you know. I Well, (laughs) at least we get to see each other in this capacity. But I start off every show by asking my guest, if you were to check in with yourself, right here, right now, what would you find? Um, well, I mean, for me, I just, I just turned 30. So it's sort of one of those (laughs) moments of like great reflection. And, but for me, it's, it's actually been really exciting. I'm really, I'm really ready for my thirties. And it's so, so to me, I'm, I'm like, it's the summer, the sun is shining. I feel good. (laughs) Like, I feel like it's a good time right now. And, um, so I'm excited. I love it. I feel like you are one of those chicks, aren't you? Like it's summertime, get all the dresses out, we're ready to go. Mm-hmm. But I, I totally. want to begin by letting the audience know a little of our backstory. Yeah. We both grew up <laughs> with the same exact circle of friends, but I will say, I don't know if they were the same exact circle of friends or if they were your friends because they were the Campbell Hall girl gang that <laughs> I became friends with through Riverway. So I just, oh, I don't know where that you could know them. I didn't oh, even yeah. know that. Okay, I, I was love a that. big so that. anybody who's who's listening, Riverway is a sleepaway camp, which probably I don't even know if still is alive to this day. Um, I but I, anybody from LA used to travel out there. A lot of Vegas kids would come as well, and um, we'd have a good old time. But I met a lot. I of, never went to sleepaway camp, but I was always I always wanted to. And you, never you never went. went? Well, it's not like my parents wouldn't have like let me go or sent me. I just like don't think I fought for it enough. And we would spend our summer in Miami because that's where like the rest of my family is. So yeah, I really was just like, I want to go spend time with my cousins and my friends there. But I always like love like, you know, the friendships and the connections that people made at summer camp um, were always like, yeah, but girl, you were the experiences. 
<laughs> you still had enough experiences. I would say that the girl game that you grew up with, that you're still yeah. good friends with and how we've connected are just beautiful, beautiful, humble, creative souls. Yeah. But most importantly, I think we connected because we both did the IME campaign for Evans in New York. Yeah, I was trying to remember where we first met. Was that the first time we met? I think so. I mean, I yeah. saw your H&M campaign. I remember very many moons ago. And I do remember being like, wow, she's so beautiful. And then I I think just throughout the relations that we've had, but I do yeah. think it was the IME campaign. I was trying to figure out today and forgive me. I tried to do my due diligence as well. I was, I am style. What were you again? Oh, you know how we all had I don't even I remember. <laughs> I don't remember. That was a really long time ago. But it was a great time ago. I don't know. I couldn't tell you that. I'm sorry. I was, I was, <laughs> that's fine. I was just trying to remember. I was like, what was she? I know we had no, our slogans I don't, I don't back remember. then. Sadly, but we, we were in great company with a great yes. girl gang on that shoot. And it was just, it was so good to finally meet you in person. And I think instantly we felt comfortable with one another just because of our roots. And absolutely, absolutely. it's so nice to be in an industry and to meet somebody that, you know, has your back from the start, you know, mm-hmm. um, I do want to tap in really quickly from the beginning. You're an LA girl. I'm from LA as well. We're a different breed. You know, we're we're one of those breeds where you have to remind people that once you find an LA native, they're good, good people. Um, so keep searching. But I wanted to know if you were ever challenged a bit by society's beauty standards here, because growing up, I don't think I was challenged, to be honest. I really feel like I had a great support system, right? Mm-hmm. But coming back as a 28-year-old who sort of traveled the world and lived in different countries, right? talk about size inclusivity and diversity, my journey just in this past six months, I've been like, whoa, well, I oh, didn't really? know LA was like this. Yeah. yeah. And I think it it's a, it's, there's a positive and negative. The positive of it is I'm like, yes, there's so much work to be done in, in my hometown. Let's get to it. You know? Yeah. So there's totally. the negative of, of, oh my God, I didn't even recognize. And maybe it's just because I wasn't of that age yet to really see that there was a lot of idealistic beauty standards here that we still had to break. Yeah. Interesting. So I feel like it's the opposite for me. I feel like growing up in LA, I, it was, it was one of those things where it, it was completely tied to like the celebrity Hollywood you know, monster that's out here. And that I feel like really was like, it was really loud and crazy when we were in the early two thousands, like with diet culture and stuff. And I felt like growing up and, and there was always this, this narrative of like being very, very thin was very in, you know, that was the, that was the body standard that, and that was the beauty standard. And it was, and it was, and it wasn't like, oh, thin and, uh, and healthy. You know, there's always these trends and different styles of beauty are always in since the dawn of time, really. But right, you know, it wasn't right. like, oh, you're thin and you're healthy, which I feel like maybe is a little bit now. Like, it's kind of like this, it's yeah. still toxic <laughs> in its own way. But it's like, you know, back then it was like, you, they would, there would be articles in like Us Magazine about, you know, Red Bull diets and like diet pills and like stuff that was actually mm-hmm. like when you're looking back like really really unhealthy to be pushing, and yeah. I felt like that was the 
the narrative when I was a kid was like thin is in and I was not thin. Like I was a chubby girl and I always was bigger than yeah. all my friends. I was always the tallest girl in my class. And, it, and so I feel like that totally got to me. And it wasn't until I was older and when I got into modeling that I could really change that narrative and take control of that narrative in my life. You know, it felt like I was a little bit out of control of who I could be in like my best self because it was everything around me was telling me not to be that, you know? Can I ask you a question? Did, did you ever buy into an Us Weekly? Like, did you ever try any of these fad diets? I mean, I know that looking back and hearing you say that, it's so funny because I haven't thought about that in so many years, you know? Yeah. But yeah. Like the first time you say it, I feel like I can see a cover on my face right now, like in my mind that is just yeah. placating. And I think when I started out, that was a conversation I would have, which was all about, you know, it's the fast, like losing the fast 10, losing the fast 15, yes. right? Yes. And how do you do that quickly? And then not thinking about who your readers are or that this is being sold in a grocery store in a line where somebody can just pick up and breeze through whether they're yeah. going to buy the magazine or not. Yeah. Did you ever try any of these diets? Oh, yeah. I mean, I was on a diet probably like since I was 12 on and off. And I think that it's it was not like, what I think that is, it's always, there's always improvement, like room for improvement with our society, but especially with, in terms of diet culture. But I feel like then it was not focused on lifestyle. It was not focused on being healthy. Like you said, it was about the fast 10. It was about the 15 pounds that you could lose in two days. You know, like that's just not how our bodies work. So, you know, when you're 15 and you think about, oh, I can, lose 15 pounds in two days. Like, of course that gets to you. And, and unfortunately I look back and I'm like, I wasted so much time. <laughs> I wasted yeah. so much time on trying to fit into that sort of, you know, uh, very unrealistic, but very unhealthy beauty standard. And I don't even think I realized how unhealthy it was until many, many years later, because it's still sort of that, that narrative trickled into our society more and more. And, and now that we've, we're getting more inclusive and, and representation is growing in, in media, I think that that's, that's really helped that, but we still have a long ways to go, I think. I hear you speak. And the first thing that sort of comes to my mind, and I don't know if it was similar to you, but like, you know, my mom was very much on the Atkins diet when I was mm. younger, like mm -hmm. Atkins was the way you yeah. know, uh, uh, like a Billy's boot camp was like, mm -hmm. you know, the thing. Um, I can relate to you, you know, when I was, I don't even know how young to be honest, so I'm not going to put an age to it, but around, say, say, let's say 11, 12, I went and actually met with Atkins myself, was put onto the diet and, you know, and that was sort of, it was, it was a, it was a thing of at that period of time. And I don't know if it was the same, maybe your family as well, but at that period of time, it was sort of like, you're figuring out what the doctors are telling you that your kid needs sort of thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And at that point I was always the bigger girl. And I think yeah. I was in some capacity, very insecure about my weight and didn't know why I was different and didn't take that ownership just yet. But I remember being on the Atkins diet. I don't know if you've ever been on it, but there yeah, was I was two... on it when I was like 13 too. So I get yeah, it. So thank you. Another sister. Yeah. Well, did you have the whole thing where you couldn't eat a fruit for two weeks? I don't, I feel like I didn't do the like Atkins diet to the T. I feel like I just cut out carbs except for like, like I definitely just watched 
my, you know, you had to like calculate how many carbs you had in a day, but I didn't do like yeah, the yeah. that like that like two week increment thing. I think I just went like yeah. turkey. Well, we went like two weeks in and I always remember it because I remember having my first apple and was like, oh my God, it's like candy. It's like yeah. candy. My mom's like, you're crazy. I was like, it's, I'm telling you. But no, I mean, moving forward, it's nice to hear where we all have come from in a society yeah. and the diet yeah. culture that we've all been accustomed to. And yeah. to know also that we, in some capacity, were worked into that at one point in our lives. And we've had to come up into our confidence by saying, you know, moving forward, it's about living a healthy lifestyle. What's healthy to you? There's no definition besides the definition that you give yourself and moderation and living a happy lifestyle with your relationship with food is so important. Yeah. I mean, I think we just like everything in life, we, as we grow up, we start learning what serves us and what makes us feel good. And, and, and especially when it comes to your health and, and you start learning your, your body and, and if you don't do it for the same reasons that you did it when you were 13 years old, you're doing it because you yeah. want to live a healthy lifestyle. You're getting older, things are feeling different, <laughs> you know, you have to take care yeah. of yourself. So, um, I think that to me, that's what I wish was, I wish that was what people told me when I was younger and push that mm. instead of this mentality of like, you have to lose 20 pounds. That will be healthy, you know? And it's like, I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think that we can just, we can preach a healthy lifestyle and teach kids that from an early age and bring, so they can bring those tools with them throughout their entire life and not figure it out when they're, you know, in their twenties or thirties and like, Oh shoot, I have to, you know, now get healthy. I sort of look back as well and see, it's like the forbidden fruit, right? Like I sort of felt like when you put me on a diet, it just sort of made me want to rebel more when I was younger. Cause I was like, you know, you're telling me that I can't have this thing, but then I'm trying to figure out who I am and my own morals and what means something to me. And it's that push and shove. Right. I want to go into a topic that I know that we both sometimes feel uncomfortable speaking about, and it's not, and it's something that we're both familiar with. So I'm excited to actually bring it up with you. We both come from industry families. We both have dads who are beautiful, creative beings. I'm going to touch on this here. In our world, we do often always get looped back into speaking about our our family, right? Mm -hmm. Well, Mm -hmm. sometimes it can be quite uncomfortable. And for myself, with just shooting something like Playboy, which is tastefully nude, may I add, for a movement and a bigger picture. Thank you. It's not, it's a bit uncomfortable to have your dad looped into that conversation. Right. right. So when you when you think about it in those terms, you take away his professional title and you bring back in dad. You're like, <laughs> yo, like he's my dad. And I'm talking yeah. about a tastefully new shot, which is beautiful. Love it. Proud of it. But like, don't need the two in the same sentence, really. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> have, how has your relationship been like with media speaking about family? And I would really want to give you the opportunity because I know that I would like to be asked this as well at some point in my life is what is one thing you wish you could sort of clear the slate with to move on and just focus on the greatness that you're creating? Um, I think with, you know, I agree. There's definitely been moments in my career where like, yeah, you do the, the, the topless or the lingerie or whatever, you know, and you're, and you're, (laughs) you're like, well, you know, I think that it's actually, for us, especially like empowering to do what we want to do with ourselves and our body, because we are 
often tethered to another person. 100%. So I think that that's amazing. And I think that it's being clear and confident with your, your family, just being like, this is what I want to do. And this is something that is important to me. And like, you have your choice in life and I have my choice in life. Like we can be seen as a separate entity, you know? And so for that, I, I think that's kind of been my clear dialogue with my family. And they've always really respect that. Like, even if they're like, my dad will yeah. try some sort of like f- remark. And I'm like, you know, he's just being a dad at the end of the day. And, but yeah. then, you know, they're always very supportive. And I really appreciate that. I think that our position comes at a twofold. I think that there's an immense amount of privilege and connections and network that we come in with our, um, our family and our, where we come from. And I totally recognize that. And then there's on the flip side, personally, like in the back of your mind, always like, okay, you want to be separate because you want to, it was always very important to me to, to not rest on that, you know, to build something separate from where I came from. And luckily I think because it's, I'm not an actress and I don't want to act that, that, that's not as complicated. You know, the fashion industry is, is very separate from that. So it's mm-hmm. more of like, sometimes people don't even know on set who my dad is or, or care or, and that's, I think, amazing. I love that. But, you know, it's, for me, it's, 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 I'm c- coming to terms with, with the things that I get in my life or the, you know, the, the jobs that I get making sure it's, I feel that it's because of who I am, not because of where I come from. And that's been, that's definitely been a struggle because you're like, all right, well, it's an easy, you know, it could be more of like a PR thing where you're like, oh, this person, you know, why not has an added already built in fame to them, I guess, connected to their dad. But I don't know. I, I feel like moving forward, I've tried to just like put that, that those, like that person talking in your head, you know what I mean? Silence that. Narrative. Cause I'm just going to say to you here. There's no shame in taking ownership that you've built your career on your own merit. And I know that I have, and I know that you have, and I know that the hard work that we've both put into everything. And it was always very important to me that even though I started out modeling at 14, when I got back into the acting industry, when I got older, that I got my own, you know, agent, that I Mm -hmm. was very much on top of it. So that it was like, I knew that I was checking off those lists that everybody else had to check off, even though I came from a a standpoint of somebody else who was in the industry. You know, what do you want to do? Not do what you want to do. You know, you want to model, you want to act, you want to whatever you could be in the same industry as your parents and anything. You could be a plumber. You could be, a, you know, you could, and anything that you, you know, this legacy that you're going to um, build off of, like you, at least it's your life. You got to try and do it and, and, and just be a good person and, and prove yourself. And, but I also think that there's, I'm never going to, to deny that that's, that's been helpful in certain ways, you know, certain connections and getting my foot in the door and, and, agencies for example or something you know like that is that has helped me so I'm not going to deny that like Mm. sit here and be like I did you know I it was it wasn't helpful but from those moments from those connections from those that foot in the door I've been able to build that on my own and yeah you know we can't deny our privilege in that sense no for sure not deny your privilege but I also think that in everybody's life that they should be able to sit 
in the groundedness of the work that you know that you've accomplished for yourself and the evolution of your own worth within your career, right? And how that then relates to you and your process with the relationship with media and so forth and so forth, because it is a part of our career and it is a part of our own personal evolution within our careers personally, away from just our family, right? Absolutely. I want to ask you one question because it's super curious to me right now. I've been speaking a lot lately about this idea because I'm now speaking so openly about mental health and it's been something that like we've spoken about being body actors so many for so many years and because we're so familiar with the world of acting and artists in general I just lately came to this sort of aha moment of you know why is it that actors and artists and people that are publicly in the industry who embody life to be able to showcase that struggles are normal so that you feel the connection through the art that's created, have trouble publicly sharing their personal struggles outside of the roles that they play. And do you think that that maybe has shifted over time? Especially for actors, I think because they're playing a role and trying to embody somebody else, that for them to, you know, let somebody in on who they are and their their own struggles and stuff, that it, it can maybe feel like people are going to get too close to that person and not allow the audience to, you know, connect to the story as much. Yeah. yeah. And connect to them as somebody else. You know, it's like, you've always heard where it's like, where somebody's getting so overexposed and you're like, I can't like disconnect them anymore, you know? So it's, 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 I, I think that's the actor's fear of allowing people into their life to and then it's going to affect their their roles or, or affect the audience their relationship the audience's relationship with their roles. Well, I think what I'm trying to say is like I'm so excited that it's sort of shifting now that there's more people like even Emma Stone coming out. You know, like there's so many people that are coming out, and it's like once you sort of embody that they're coming out with their struggles. In my opinion, I'm like, oh my God, there's so much strength to you. And I love that I get this insight to how you're embodying your own personal life while walking alongside a character as well and how that intertwines. I I do think that it's shifting and I don't necessarily agree that I don't think that audiences can't connect to those people anymore. Yeah, And maybe it could actually do the opposite and and allow people in on, on, on their authenticity to connecting with those roles, you know? So I agree. I think that it's just like any representation. I, I think that it's always going to be beneficial to somebody. It's like us growing up in Holly in LA, like not having the representation to look up to people really, I mean, affected me. And so Mm -hmm. I always say, whenever I see my friends, when I see you, when I see my, my peers and, and people in the industry, like when they're, when they do something really amazing, they get like an amazing, fashion job where it's this huge campaign or a magazine cover or an editorial, whatever it is. And it's like a beautiful curvy woman or it's, I know that when I was younger, that would have meant so much to me. Mm-hmm. So with anything in life, the representation I know will always be a positive effect on somebody. So if somebody is going through something and they see, you know, their favorite actor or actress going through the same thing, that is going to be a positive effect. change in their life and to be able to be like, I'm, you know, I'm going through this and this person's going through this. I have a connection, you know, look at them. They have everything they probably ever want, success, money, fame, everything they ever want in the world. They're still going through this. Like I can probably 
be a little bit kinder to myself and take care of, you know, it's okay. It's just the, it's, it's this beautiful evolution that I've seen. And that's why I bring it up to the topic because I just know that, you know, we live in the world where PRs are like, don't talk about it. Yes. And now we're in a yeah. world where it's like, she's going to talk about it on camera or not. So I just need to walk alongside her and hope that it goes out for the best. And hopefully we'll get to the point where we're like, yes, talk about it, talk about it, talk about it, you know? Yeah. But there's, we're still in a shift right now. And it's a beautiful one to be in because when we start to embody, you know, real life stories and tell our own, then somebody else feels like they're never alone. Let's go back real quick. I want to talk about 818 because (laughs) I have to say, I have learned a lot from you, Campbell Hall girls. Not only have I learned (laughs) fake eyelashes, pointed liner, and four locos, but I do look back those years and we got ready to go out. Like it wasn't like when we were teenagers, we got ready. It was a moment. Yeah. So I want to know. We got ready together too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I want to know, you know, were you challenged at all with your mental well-being in high school? And did you always feel like you had just a great group of supporters around you? Or did you did you were were you challenged openly, I guess, with your peers? You know, yeah, I had a I had a really good group of girlfriends. And I I think in I definitely went through like the the classic girl, you know, uh, cattiness that I feel like we all went through in high school, um, of like switching groups and things happening and, you know, people ganging up on each other or, or leaving somebody out. Um, that definitely happened for sure. And I just feel like that's growing up as a teenager, unfortunately, and sort of help helps you build character and like a thick skin later on in life or for later on life. But yeah, I mean, I think that in high school, my mental health was, was always stifled because of not feeling like there was anybody else that looked like me. I think that that was always like going back to the representation. I think that I like often question like what I feel like I, how I would go through high school right now. And I don't know if it's even better. I don't, I, cause I have a younger brother who's 19. So I recently seen him go through high school and seen his girlfriends Mm -hmm. and even his boyfriends, like, you know, going through their own issues that they're dealing with, with with the Gen Z world that's happening now um, and social media for them. But I I often like think about that. Like, I do think I, I struggle. I mean, I did struggle a lot in high school with my identity and who I was and like coming to my own confidence to, to be my best self. Cause I was mm-hmm. always trying to be something that I wasn't, I was always trying to fit to a mold. And it wasn't until I was in my early twenties and I started modeling that I was able to gain that confidence because I was independent from anybody. Like I was alone on set being, I was able to be somebody that I should have been 10 years prior, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I, and I, and I really, I always say that because I think people have like a, a bit of a, you know, of course, the modeling industry, the fashion industry has its toxic traits, but I really think that it helped me a lot in growing my yeah. self-confidence and, and I don't think that I would have done it the, the same way if I hadn't got into modeling. 
It's funny you say that because that's definitely like, that's my story as well. You know, when I was 14, I always say like, it was a defining moment because I got to go on set. I mean, one of my first shoots like with Katie Wilcox when I was like 14 and like, I would just look at them and I was like, wow, they're voluptuous, they're toned, they're fit, they're confident. Oh, I want to be like them, you know? And it was like this world that nobody knew about. And I don't know about you, but I was still in high school at the time. So I would go back and I'd be like, Oh, I, I missed four days of school because I was a plus size model. And they'd be like, you're a model. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm a plus size model. <laughs> and I have to like explain it. Um, but I want to talk about your first shoot being something that is as intimate and beautiful as shapewear. I'm a huge fan <laughs> of shapewear. I'm wearing it right now. I wear it pretty much every day. <laughs> not just not to slim me, but to smooth me. Yeah. I want to know what your relationship is. That's, That's a good thing for shapewear. All the time, baby. No matter what <laughs> shape or size, it's a great thing to have in your wardrobe. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, Absolutely. But what was your relationship with it like then? And I have to know, did you like the first shoot that you ever did? Did they ask you to bring padding? Was it padded shapewear or was it normal shapewear? Um, so, no. I Well, yeah, I was told to buy padding like when I first signed with my first agency, but I never, I didn't actually Who was buy your it. first agency? Natural, Katie's, Katie's. Oh, agency. yeah. No way. Were they the ones who scouted you in the mall? Yes. Well, yeah. So it's a funny story. Katie how came funny, up to me in a little mall. Yeah. How weird is that? Yeah. Oh my God. But yeah, so for that shoot, I didn't use padding, but yeah, I was, a, it was, it was an interesting experience just because it was, it was like an e-com shoot, you know, and you know how the, they go, like, it's pretty standard. And, and they're like, okay, now you're going to wear this. And they gave me like, it was a, it was like, um, a shapewear tight. So it was a pair of tights that like had the top shapewear, you know? And yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, I know them and, well. <laughs> and what else am I wearing with this? <laughs> am I just wearing this? Okay. Nikki. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, we're just going to shoot the bottom half of you. So you just go up topless. And I was like, okay. And so I'm like holding my boobs, like walking out, like, all right. Um, it was, it was a learning experience and it, but it was great. Like I, I had, there was another model on set, Yanka, who's still modeling. She's beautiful. And she was so sweet. And she was like really welcoming and, and just, ta- you know, it was nice. Like she was supportive. And I always feel like plus models are like that with each other. Like they're, yeah. they're they have each other's back. Cause they think we all know, like <laughs> we're the underdogs in this race. And, and so she was great. I was like, thank God she was there because I think it really, I would have just been so lost without her. She would like teach me little things and what to do and like where to go. And yeah, she was amazing. So one of the coolest things you obviously talked about is how Bianca on that set was really an ally for you and helped lead the way of knowing what to do while holding your boobies and wearing shapewear. (laughs) (laughs) What was that like? I think that it was, it was amazing to have her there to really support because she, you know, she made a, a, a point to be, you know, an, an ally in that moment. And also just, she could tell I was nervous, you know, she could tell it was my first time, like, and she stepped in. And I think that that also like taught me how to be with other people who are like younger in the industry, you know, and I, and you know, that, that there are stereotypes of how models are with each other and sort of these cliches. And so when you go into it, you're fearful that that's going to be your experience. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that this was my first day and my first time going on set, and it wasn't that. And there was somebody there that was like, 
I got you. Don't worry. Like, let me know if you have any questions. Here's where you put this, you know, whatever, you know, she's giving me pointers yeah. on, on anything. Um, I think I like still have a photo with her that we took that day, like a selfie or something. Um, I wonder if I can find it. Maybe not. Maybe it's on an old phone, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was amazing. It was great. I, I'm so grateful that she was, she is a good person. You know, she, you know, that she's a nice person. So she was just being who she is. I haven't done many e-com jobs. So the one e-com job that I, I I did was for Lane Bryant with Molly Constable. And I, I swear it's a different, it's a different beast of the world when you get into e-com and like, I swear yeah. that, that I look back at that shoot always. And I was like, I used to just watch Molly and I'm like, how, yeah. what? Like she, you know what I mean? And I was just like, Molly, bow to you, girl. Like it's a different yeah, beast. Once you get like your like, e-com, like 10 moves, you can really flow through it. I always Peace. think that e-com is like really the paying the dues in the model industry. Like I hear people talking about like working hard, like these big models and they're, you know, they paid their dues. I'm like, if you've never done an e-com job, I don't know if I, I can count that as paying your dues. Oh, like no. that's how I feel. Like, I feel like those are, that's like the, those are the, the days that, you know, when people are like, oh, I had a bad day at work or whatever. It's like, those are the days we're like, this is like the work job, you know? Some days it's yeah. really fun. Some days it's like, it doesn't feel like work. And that's like where you're working, you know? I did e-com mostly when I was younger. Like when I was like 14, when I was working for Torrid. But those were like the only yeah, opportunities you had. Yeah, that was my first job. My first job was Torrid. For Curve, you know? Yeah. Like those were the only opportunities you had back then. And I used to, that's what I mean. I used to be gone and, and do e-com with them and go back and like, I don't know if this well. Um, but I, I, I loved it, but it was a different world back then. Well, we did some campaigns and stuff on, on the, you know, out in the park. But it was... uh you know, when you were so young, there wasn't much out there to really represent for curve women. And it's just amazing to see the evolution of being able to give more opportunities along oh the way. Oh my God. It's a whole other world. It's a whole other world. Whole other world. Yeah. I, I just really want to tap into, you know, I, like you said, you started out with naturals. I'm sure you had a great experience. Love them to death. I've actually had very positive experiences, but I've had one experience with an agency that I've left where it did inflict on my weight and it did inflict on my uh, personal persona of who I was. And I remember leaving the office and being like, all right, people pull your buckles up. You're okay. And I wanted to know, you know, what's your experience been like? Have you always had very supportive agencies? Because I've never even talked to you about this. Yeah, I've had all the agencies that I've been signed with have always been very supportive and, and um, never had any issues with them on in terms of like them trying to change who I was or the way I looked yeah. or um, pressure me in that in any way. Um, I did have an experience when I went to meet with an agency that's not even around anymore. I think, I don't know. Um, or they don't have plus, but I went to meet with an agency and I was like, not even really sure I wanted to model. I was in college And I was just like, I don't know, like maybe I should do it. There was like, it was sort of the beginning, you know, the, the whispers of like more diversity in fashion, like you were saying, you know, a really long time ago and 10, 11 years ago. Um, so 12 years ago. Um, so so yeah, I'm like, I don't even know. (laughs) 2010, it was 2010. Um, Uh, so we blinked you're 30 (laughs) and thriving. Seriously. It's crazy. But yeah, so I, I went into the agency and they were like, you know, you, and it was like, I was after my freshman year of college and I definitely gained a little weight 
freshman year of college, like everyone does and probably should honestly enjoy yourself and it's stressful time. Yeah. So I had gained a little weight and I think I was like a, a fort 16 or something like that. Yeah. I was like a 16 and they were like, you know, you would really work more as a 12 and mm. they were like, go like take the summer or something. I forget. I think it was the end. I don't know. Like take a few months, like think about it. Like basically get to a size 12, which is like, you know, it's two sizes. It's not like they told me to, you know, lose 80 pounds, but still what really bothered me was what he said. Oh my God, no, two sizes, one size is, I don't care. An inch is too no, big. No, That's it, what it, no, it's terrible. But I'm just saying like, I know people who have like, they're, you know, some straight size models where they're like, lose well, 10 inches course. or something. And you're like, oh my God. But um, he, what really bothered me was, was they said, um, will know that you really want it then and I just thought like I don't like that I feel like I've always been like this way in my life where I'm like okay you want me to prove something to you it's one thing if I need to prove something to myself but like I don't like this like I gotta prove myself for you guys you know like that's what really bothered me and then I was like this is I know this isn't going to be the the right fit And I never called them back. (laughs) Well, my experience to keep it real brief was I was traveling between agencies and, you know, I would plop into New York at periods of my life and plop around, plop back into New York. And I had one of my agents just sit down with me and go, you know, you look like you've, you've gained a little weight. Like, you know, what's, what's happened here? Is there something going on in your life? And I was like, uh, no. And then it got to the point where I was like, I will go to the bathroom with you right now. I will strip down naked and I will let you measure me because if you're telling me that I've gained weight and I have no idea about it, let's talk about it. Right. And I literally went to the bathroom and I gained an inch and I walked out and I was just like, I'm proud of myself for how I handled the situation because that's how I know my power, you know what I mean? Because it was more of like, okay, I gained an inch, but I know that I'm still working and I'm happy in myself. And I think in our times and in our voices, because when you become a body activist in this community, you start to gain your power back by saying there is a place for me here by being authentic to who I am. Yeah. And that comes with the strength behind the woman that we are. Yeah. And it comes with the knowledge of the purpose that we have for our future and for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it can be a challenging one when you're starting to get into the industry. But it happened to me at a place in my life where I was already in the groove of it. So I was like, I'm not going to let this affect me. Right. Like, it's really like nobody's right. lost here. Let's just yeah. go and, you know, do the dang thing. And thank God, really, because. Yeah. When when that that happened to me, I wasn't even a model yet. And I was like, oh my God, this is already happening. Like (laughs) I haven't even signed to an agency and they're already making me feel like inadequate in this. But yeah. And then after that, I luckily have had really nice experiences. So do you think that your relationship with your body image has changed greatly after speaking so publicly about it? You know, because I think once you jump into the curve world automatically you sort of become a body activist in the most beautiful way possible. Like you're working with brands who want to promote self-love and being able to not only talk about your collections as making you feel good, but also making your mindset change positively towards your body. And I know that for me, I've been speaking about my body for so many years that 
I had to start to really check in constantly on what my relationship really was with my body. Right. And I'm curious to know, you know, has your, has publicly speaking about body image shifted your idea about maybe what you dealt with in high school, what you dealt with as a young adult, you know, what's your relationship with it and how did it yeah. shake you up when you started? I mean, I think because you, I spent so much time alone, just traveling for work and having to really sit with myself. It was like, I'd go to work. I'd have to like be confident and, and comfortable with my body, like all day long. And then I would come home in whatever city I was in and like really sit with that and think about it and do that, that yeah. self-love work with myself because I, you know, you can fake it till you make it, but it catches up to you. You know, you are a certain point, like you say, like once you start talking about it, like you kind of have to deal with it, you know? So in those first, maybe three years of modeling, I really did that work. And I really feel like it built my foundation with my self-love and my, and my relationship with my body. And I'm, I'm so grateful for that because I know friends and family who haven't even dealt with that or are dealing with it now. And, and, they're much older and they're, and they've never had to sit with themselves. And, and I tell everybody, I'm like, everybody, I think every woman especially should do like a sexy lingerie photo shoot. Like, I think you should do like a playboy photo shoot. Everybody, <laughs> whether that goes anywhere, like privately. I am celebrating know. all of my bossy, everyone. And not like, because you know, it has to be ways. about, yeah, exactly. And not because that's, that has to do anything about sex or being sexy. It's just about oh. having to feel connected to yourself and your body. And it really helps even seeing images where you're like, Oh, wow, look, I look good. Like, this is a great photo, you know, like that helps build that, that positive image with yourself. And I think that, that because I, when I, when I really had to do, you know, do that work early on because I, I wanted to, and I felt it was the opportunity to, because my work needed it, you know, you needed to show up and be that person. Uh, yeah. I, that when I really look into myself and my relationship, it is, it is genuine, you know? Oh God, of course. I mean, I think that that's one of the most beautiful, um, things I, I look back going at like you saying lingerie shoot or just doing a, a shoot in general. I think it's just about taking the power and ownership of your body yeah. and taking the validation for your own self that you're sexy for you. And it's not for anybody else. You know, for me, like Playboy represented this radical acceptance within my figure. And it also was like, I have every right to celebrate my body, whatever way feels most authentic to me. And I hope to encourage that to other people to feel that authenticity towards your body and the connection that you have, because there's an evolution that happens with our bodies. They're always going to be growing. They're always going to be developing, right? But the connection that you have with your body needs to be the strongest thing. And I think that's something that necessarily we both have the privilege. And I mean, straight up privilege of becoming curve models at a time when I think we both needed it most. And yeah. we both needed to be validated in the purpose of you are beautiful the way that you are. And we're going to put you on a set with people who are going to remind you of that every single day, which then is going to relate back into you having to check in with yourself. So anybody who is listening, the most amazing thing that you can do is to check in with yourself every day because the evolution happens. And take the time to figure out and be curious about your body. Our bodies are yes. beautiful. Well, like, I always say, I always say to people who are like, my friends are going through it and with their bodies, I'm like, what you need to do is you need to get naked or like 
put on the cute bathing suit or a cute lingerie set and like just stare at yourself in the mirror and just start posing and just Mm. you know just learn your body and 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 look at yourself because even that like if you don't want to do a photo shoot like you can see yourself there like do it in some good lighting put on a little makeup if you want like just start looking at your body in a new way and not in not through the lens of like a bad photo of you you know or something because people can harp on that where it's like oh they took this angle of me and I look terrible it's like no no look at yourself in the mirror get to know yourself truly and I, that, I also would practice that. And I feel like that really helped because not only was I like practicing to be a model because you want to learn your angles and your, you know, all that, but like, I really got to practice that, that like body love in those moments because you're like, wow, like, look at, this is a very sexy angle of me. Like, this is a beautiful angle here. Like I don't have a bad body, you know? Yeah. And I think that, that anybody, no matter what you look like, you that will help you that'll 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 encourage you to look at yourself in a more positive way I mean our, our body's beautiful and I, I think that it's amazing <laughs> to watch to watch my body grow like I'm like wow well I also think that the the chat you know I, I think people get hard on themselves because they think that being a bot like being body positive with yourself means it's every day you have no to be- and that's yeah I am a goddess I'm beautiful all the time. I think that, like you said, every day you have to check in with yourself. (laughs) Where did this perception come from? Because now we've got body acceptance, body liberation, body positivity. You know, you've got like all these different vocabularies to being able to describe what it means to you. But like, yeah, I always say that, you know, body positivity is not something where you just like all of a sudden snap your fingers and you're cool. Like you're good to go for the rest of your life. (laughs) Like you are on a journey and that's okay. But it's about like knowing that you're going to have bad body days. You're going to have the good ones. And on those bad ones, sometimes okay. Yeah. You need to cry out. Yeah. You have to sit there with that and that's okay too. And honestly healthy, like you shouldn't be on the highs all the time. Like you got to go low a little bit to go back up, you know, and, and to, to also yeah. appreciate it when you are high and you are good with yourself. Okay. Well, I need to appreciate this because I know I can feel bad about myself sometimes. And when I'm feeling good, like I can really enjoy that because I know I don't want to take it for granted because I know there probably will be a day where I'm like, I don't feel great about myself, you know? But I want to know, you know, what's your relationship with your self-worth like, and you know, how has that inflicted on your mental health and your mental well-being journey? I think, uh, unfortunately, like there's a, there's in our industry, it's, it can be very, you know, you can compare yourself a lot to people and you can, you can, it, it is the type of industry that begs us to, to question our, our worth, you know, it's like always like, like, can you handle this? Can you handle it? You know? And are yeah. you meant to be here? Because it's, like you said, there are only so many opportunities of being a curve model. And so you can't help but question like, okay, well, like when is, when, you know, things that you want in your life, your goals, like, when is that going to happen? When I remember first starting out as modeling and I didn't work very much. I was like, when I, when I went full time, I like barely worked. And it was sort of, I had to really, to practice that mentality where it's like, I know this is going to happen. It's about being patient and waiting for my time and working through that and just doing the best that I can, because I know I had to believe in myself really, you know, and, and it, again, like you were talking about foundations, like that was, that was a great foundation for me to a tool book that I, or toolkit that I could use now later on when I'm like, okay, 
uh, you know, it's. Do you think that so you're basically saying like you think professionally your idea of your self-worth then inflicted on your personal idea of your self-worth? Absolutely. No. Yes. Sure. Both. Yeah. I mean, it's all connected really, but it's, it's about building those tools to deal with it. So it's like in that moment when I was first starting on modeling and that, and nothing was really happening for me, I had to build this skill set of dealing with it and, and believing in myself that I can now use 10 years later. Yeah. Whenever I'm feeling like comparing myself to somebody else or questioning, you know, and it's just those unhealthy human, but human, you know, thoughts in our, in our brains that we all have, I'm able to be like, okay, well, I remember being in this position before. What did I do that helped me out of it? How do I move forward? That's going to actually be productive and beneficial to my mental health and ultimately reaching those goals that I want to reach, you know, whatever it is for me, it's a lot about, you know, reflecting and, and I guess in a way like manifesting and thinking about what I really want. And, and, and also for me, I, I, what always comforts me in those moments of like anxiety or, or when my, when I'm feeling out of control of my life, I know that what comforts me is like, everybody is going through that. It's such a, it's such a universal experience. So like we talk about representation, like I know I speak to so many people about it, my friends, my family, like you hear about it, people talking about it on, on these platforms and stuff you know that people are going through it. So that always really comforts me to get through those darker times. And it brings me obviously to this past year. Like we've all just, we've all had a collective anxiety and 96% of Americans today, they say that they struggle with an anxiety disorder. Do you struggle with anxiety? I mean, I think that in the past year, I think it was the first time that I really had to deal with anxiety and I remember laying in bed and not being able to sleep because you just feel like your life has been taken from you, you know, and thinking of just what's going to, you know, whatever. So it's, it's in those moments of like laying in bed, I, I did think about it. I was like, the entire world is in this collective experience. Yeah. And that was almost, that was comforting to me. Like that helped me sleep at night because it's like, we are all going through this. We can get through it together, you know, yeah. and, it, and it's, yeah. Do you think that sort of your your mental well-being journey sort of surprised you this past year? Like you had things like anxiety sort of pop back up that you were like, yeah. I didn't know that, you know, I would be almost 30 years old and, you know, developing um, my idea of my relationship with anxiety and what this looks like and how to be able to walk alongside it. Absolutely. I think that it was challenging. It was a new challenge for me to deal with. And it's a shift in how I have to approach my life in a sense where it's okay to feel out of control. And because for so long, I felt like I was bopping along, like doing well, had my life living in New York, like, you know, doing well in work and personal life and having fun. And all of a sudden it was like screeching to a, you know, to a halt. Like everybody felt like it was, you know, like I said, it was ripped from us. So being able to just like relinquish that control into the unknown, you know, like that yeah, was yeah. What, what really helped me. Yeah. I mean, I think the fear of the unknown is like such a big thing that was just circling around us for everybody this past year. Yeah. yeah. One of the good things though, I think that you've accomplished this past year, at least what it's looked like on your social media is that I love 
love how you, your family, your friends, you guys breathe comfort and creativity. That is like the coolest thing to watch because I think creativity is such an amazing outlet. But behind the scenes, like, did you have those struggling moments as well? Because I know that there were a lot of like, I was looking at your page in terms of being like, dude, she's creating everything. Like she's doing beats. She's doing rhinestones one day. She's tied on the next. I was like, oh yeah, we like, did have a lot of crafts. You had, we had a lot so of crafts many crafts going on. Going on. It was yeah. amazing. Well, I think that we needed something tactile to like really to distract yeah, ourselves. I said you know? like, creativity is awesome. Yeah. And I think that that definitely helped. I mean, we went on walks, we went on bike rides, like we were doing Zumba in the yard. We were cooking, like cooking for me is a big form of therapy. So that was, yeah. I became like the, the, the house, you know, lunch lady. I was cooking like all day long, every day, huge meals. And, and that really helped. I think that that's 100% like putting your, your creativity into, or you're putting your anxiety or your, your lack of control in your life into something like a craft or a, a hobby or a passion in, especially in this past year helped me so much. I was really lucky because we were with a lot of people. So I feel like that also being around yeah. a lot of people really helped. It was amazing. I, I, I loved watching it. And I think it was a beautiful <laughs> way to sort of like introduce different ideas of what people can do and, and how our toolboxes look differently for everybody. And sometimes creativity is like the best way to put your mindset into something. Um, I do want to ask for one of my last wrapping up questions, and then we'll hop into some things that make you you is really just, you know, how has it been for you going back into society's norms? Do you feel like you are dealing with a bit of social anxiety or do you feel like it's been an easy breezy sort of transition going back between, you know, New York and LA and um, getting back on the wagon per se? No, I mean, it's overwhelming for sure. I think like I had to dive into the deep end a little bit because I went on a bachelorette party and I was like, whoa, I was in Charleston and like, it's just being in LA where it was just like on major lockdown and then going to Charleston where it was not, I was like, kind yeah. of like, you know, whoa, what's, what's going on here. But you know, it's been, it's definitely been a transition out of it and it's everybody's transition will look different and that's okay. And it's, it's, but I do feel like people are ready and, and I, I, I think that the fact that it happened like coupled with the summer for me, like really in mm -hmm. my birthday and like, just like fun, you know, it's been, it's been yeah. fun. So it's been a pretty positive experience. Definitely deal with the social anxiety, like relearning how to speak to people. And on set, it's sort of, it's so different because everything has to be distant. So yeah. it's kind of, that's, that's been a struggle for me because I am a social person and I like to talk to people. And that's why I like my job so much because it, it allows you to meet new people every day. But yeah, no, for sure. I think I'm like trying to learn my, use my brain again. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, I'm going to say, as I leave every episode, I like to ask a few simple questions that really tap into what makes you you. So we speak so often about building our toolbox that lend to our emotional journey. What lended to you last time you experienced a flare up or a challenging moment? What did you do to be able to help you? Well, I, like I said, I think that it's always goes back to a collective experience and like that comfort of knowing that I'm not the only one going through this and that it's okay that I'm going through this and that to remind yourself that you're not alone 
And there is always a community of people that you can turn to, whether it's your friends, your family, your loved ones, you know, whoever, people, somebody online, you know, whatever. And yeah, just knowing that I'm not alone in my struggle. And then if you could sum up your mental well-being journey in one word without any shame, what would that be? I would say it's ongoing, you know, it's, it's it's evolving. Love. And then lastly, what are the three biggest lessons you've learned in your life? Now, these can be words, feelings, sayings, sort of whatever just authentically comes to your mind. I think the biggest lessons, the three biggest lessons I've I've had to learn throughout my life are not to waste time on, yeah, just don't waste time. Be yourself, you know, be your best self right now, starting this moment, you know? And I I feel like I wasted so many years not doing that. So to me, Mm. I've kind of made a little pact with myself to never do that again. I would say also to advocate, this is a a lesson that I have to continue to learn for myself and practice, but it's to advocate for myself and to stand up for myself and take care of myself. Because I feel like I tend to put others before my needs or sort of put others like, you know, feelings or something before mine. And also another lesson that I am learning for myself, but I feel like I try to live and continue to live is to ask for what you want. Something that my parents always taught me or tried to teach me and I have, I struggle with it. And it's just like, they can always say no, but ask for what you want. I love it. Well, I just (laughs) thank you for just coming on here, sharing your vulnerability, going through the whole evolution of Alessandra and just being the beautiful soul that you are. If you guys are looking to obviously continue the conversation with her, you can connect with her on her Instagram, which is Alessandra GL. Thank you so much, Angel. Thank you. Thank you for having me. If you're looking to continue the conversation around living an unapologetically authentic lifestyle, then this podcast is just for you. Our goal is to build a community in which you feel empowered to celebrate you by hearing inspiring stories of ownership to self, to always remember to lead with the three M's, that's mindfulness, movement, and mental engagement. You've got this and we're here to support you along the way. So be sure to subscribe and download so you don't miss an episode. It's okay to not be okay in your journey to becoming grounded in the power of you. Now, some topics we discussed today may have been triggering. So if you're in need to speak to a crisis counselor, please text home to 741741 or head over to activeminds.org slash mhresources for curated resources ready and willing to hear from you. This has been a Stage 29 podcast production. The podcast is executive produced by Haley Hasselhoff, Patty Chiano, Laferne Cusack, and Stephanie Kaysen. Our audio editors are Jackson Ruff and Jonathan Dematty. Callie Kelts is the social media producer. And a special thanks to the rest of our podcast crew, Rwani Horenige, William Cusack, Lisa Clark, Katie Brown, and Morgan Kaler.
This podcast has been produced by Stage 29 Productions for entertainment purposes only. The contents of this podcast does not constitute medical or professional advice. Do not reflect the opinions of this company, any of its parent companies, affiliates, subsidiaries, promotional sponsors, or advertising agencies. The views expressed by the host and the guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or an entity they represent. For more information, please go to stage29.tv.